pray that you take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. Yes, that's not the book of Exodus. We're taking one week off from Exodus. We'll be back there next week. Turn to Luke chapter 24. If you're picking up that pew Bible that's right there in front of you, you can go to page 1218. Luke chapter 24, we'll go to verse 1. We'll read that here in just a few minutes. If you've noticed, there's been one common word that seems to have come up over and over, and it's believe, believe, believe. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more as we open up God's word, but God laid a verse on my heart that I just want to sit there for you because God doesn't just lay things on our heart for us just to ignore them. You don't need to turn there, but in Mark chapter 9, Jesus meets a man who brings his child who has been having fits and epilepsies and seizures to him, and um, Jesus tells him in verse Mark 9, 23, says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then this father who is broken over the situation with his child. Scripture says in verse 24, cries out with tears and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We sit here today so many times teetering between I believe and I don't believe. And Jesus heals that man's son. Jesus said, if you will believe, all things are possible. The man said, I'm struggling, Lord. And the Lord said, yeah, but that struggle is part of what it's about. I do believe. You believe. And he healed his son. This is an awesome reminder. I set that for you. But Luke chapter 24, it's where we're going to spend our time today. Hopefully, you've already read some of it as I've laid it out before you. And if not, you'll read it more. There's a lot of more detail in there. And I don't want you to miss anything this morning. But have you ever heard the saying, it's too good to be true? Now, we've also heard the remainder of that adage that things that sound too good to be true typically are not true. We can all think, bring, think of things that come to mind. You think of cell phone carriers that say they can cut your bill in half, all one price, all included. It just doesn't seem to pan out that way. We typically follow that statement. Yeah, if you believe that, then I've got some beachfront property in Tennessee in order to sell you. There's this one particular retailer that sends Angela coupons, and I just laugh because not once. In all of the years that they sent these coupons, and I'm not going to tell you who they are, but not once has that coupon worked. Typically, they either don't have what the coupon's for, we don't hold our face just right when we're checking out, I guess. It just doesn't work, and it seems as though we always pay more. Too good to be true, so now we just throw them away. Diet pills, no exercise, eat whatever you want, and the weight just falls off. It's just not true. Jobs where you can work from home for just two or three hours a week and make large amounts of money, just not true. And I know you can think of others if you spend any time about that, and it's sad to say that we have become a jaded, cynical people. We have learned not to trust, to not believe, to just assume that something that sounds good is too good to be true. But, church, can I challenge us this morning, but what if something that sounds that good actually is true? 
ask you to stand with me. We're going to read together Luke chapter 24. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. Luke chapter 24, picking up in verse 1. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Keep your scripture open. You may be seated. We're going to spend more time in chapter 24 here in just a few minutes, but I want you to be ready to walk with me. As we enter into this chapter, Luke chapter 24, it's now early morning on the third day since Jesus was crucified. Verse 1 says that they came to the tomb. They, by looking back at Luke chapter 23, they are the women who were with Joseph of Arimathea to bury the body of Jesus. If you look at the end of Luke 23, it says that they saw where they laid him. We just read in Luke chapter 24, verse 10, tells us some of the names of the women that were with him. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women. And verse 1 says that they came to the tomb with spices that they had prepared. These women in the meantime, between Jesus' death and this moment, had prepared spices and had gotten up early to come that morning to take care of the body of Jesus for the final time. You see, if they had waited much longer, the body would have begun to decay, and they wanted to treat his body correctly. You know what this means, right? This means that these women who prepared to bring these spices did not come to the tomb to see it empty. They came to the tomb assuming that Jesus was in there, was still dead, was going to stay dead, and they had a job to do because Jesus was going to be dead forever. That's what their mindset was. And as they arrived at the tomb, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. The tomb was now open. Verse 3 says that they went in, and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And verse 4 uses a unique verb says that they were perplexed. Well, I looked up the word perplexed, and it means to feel completely baffled. They did not know what to do. They could not comprehend what had happened. I would like us to pay attention as we read and talk about other feelings through the chapter 24 that we talk about of the feelings that people have that we read today. Have you ever been perplexed? Another definition of perplexed is to be caught between two thoughts. Have you ever been there before? You stand in between two things and you don't know which way to go, because, but you know and you don't know. 
I did a terrible job of explaining that, but that's what perplexed was. You just stand in the middle and you don't know and you don't do. And it says that they are joined, these women are joined by two angels, and they, the angels, ask the women a question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, I, I want to go two ways for just a second. I'm always amazed when I read Scripture. This hit me a few years ago. Man, I bet there was a scuffle in heaven in front of the Lord. The Lord said, okay, it's time to go roll that stone away. And I bet you the angels climbed all over themselves wanting to be the angel that got to go down to roll the stone away. I just bet that was an honor. Let me go, Jesus. Let me go let Jesus out. God, let me go. Now, I don't know how God decided which angels got to go, but it says that two came down. Here's another clarification. They didn't roll the stone away so that Jesus could get out. They rolled the stone away so that the women could see in. But he asked them this question. He says, why do you seek the living among the dead? Think about that. We do this every single day. We look for the living among the dead. We each have unmet needs in our lives, this hole in our heart that we are seeking to constantly fill with something in this life. We look for peace, strength, hope, life, joy, happiness, direction, purpose, and so many more things. We are going through life trying to find them and fit them into this hole in our lives. But as these angels are reminding these women and reminding us, we're looking in the wrong places. Where are you looking? What do you turn to in order to fill that need in your life? Today, you may still be looking for what's going to fill that need in your life. And I encourage you, stick with me. Because God has provided something that is too good to be true. These angels, when they ask this question, why do you seek the living among the dead? They don't even wait for a response. In verse 6, it says, he is not here, but he is risen. Church, can I tell you that Jesus is alive? I pray that you know that Jesus is alive. You just can't say that enough, can you? Jesus is alive. Verse 6, if you look at that, it says... Um, Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. Old Testament verse, Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants. That's back in the Old Testament. He said, Remember, Jesus told you all this was going to happen. So what I did is I just limited myself to the book of Matthew. Just picked one to the book of Matthew, and I read through it, seeking to determine how many times in the book of Matthew did Jesus tell them what was going to happen. Matthew 16, 21, I will be killed and raised on the third day. Matthew 17, 23, they will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised up. Matthew 20, 19, deliver him to crucify, and on the third day he will rise again. Matthew 26, 32, but after I have been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. Jesus had been absolutely crystal clear of what was going to happen. But either his followers did not hear him. Have you ever not heard when somebody's speaking? I have. Or they did not understand him. 
Or thirdly, perhaps they just did not believe him. That's the problem that the world has. You see, the world believes that Jesus died. I don't think you'll find many people fuss with you over the fact that Jesus has died. The challenge in the world is that the world does not know or the world does not choose to believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is alive. Can I tell you again, Jesus is alive. I know it sounds too good to be true, but what? What if it is? Verse 7, the angels quote Jesus and they say, Son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And look what happens in verse 8. And they remembered. They're going, oh, yeah, Jesus did say that. But I need to stop us right here for just a minute. Remembering, that is a good start. But that is not the goal. God did not send his son to die on the cross to be raised on the third day so that we could sit here on an Easter Sunday morning and remember what happened. That's not what God did all this for. God does not want us to remember. God wants us to believe. Amen? He wants us to believe. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So here's a challenge that you have to ask yourself on this Easter Sunday morning. Do you remember or do you believe? It's not the same. Remembering is intellectual. Believing is personal. It's relational. And can I tell you that believing is life-changing. Verse 9 says that they went to tell the disciples and the rest there was a group. If you remember in a daily video yesterday, I also challenged myself in thinking this, what'd they do on Saturday? Probably the same thing that they were doing on Sunday. They're locked in a room doing nothing. They're hiding. They're afraid. They don't know what's going on. So these women in verse 9 went to tell the disciples and the rest. And verse 11 says that their words seemed like idle tales. Did I... Did I I encourage you, right, to see how people feel through this. Well, they're hearing this from the women, and they're going, I don't know. Idle tales. You can almost see somebody in the back going, yeah, right. You just went to the wrong place. Too good to be true. Verse 11 says, not only did it seem like idle tales, verse 11 is pretty clear. It says, and they did not believe them. Those closest to Jesus... Those Jesus told everything had trouble believing. In verse 12, we get this famous segue, but Peter. Good old Peter. You know, sometimes it takes a Peter, one who is willing to try, one who is willing to take a risk, willing to fail in order to take a chance on something that seems too good to be true. Have you ever done that? You've heard what somebody has done, and they tell you all about it, and you're going, I never believed that was real. And they go, but it's real. And then you go home and you get it, or you look for it, or you try to get it. Because once we understand that it's not too good to be true, that it is true, then we begin to accept it a little bit more. It says that Peter ran to the tomb. And we saw right here in this scripture that when he got there, he marveled 
at what had happened. You know what it didn't say right there? He believed. It said that he marveled at it. Perplexed, afraid, cynical, intellectual, remembering, marveled. The followers of Jesus were experiencing a great amount of things, but not yet belief. So if we continue on in Luke chapter 24, let me just give you a summary of the next few verses. Verses 13 to 32, it's, There's these two men walking, it says, toward Emmaus. They're walking away from Jerusalem. Scripture tells us it's about a seven-mile journey. And they're walking on the same day. And then Jesus joins them, but they do not know that it is Jesus who's joining them. Scripture says that their eyes were constrained. You know, that's what happens when we don't believe. When we don't believe, we really can't see things as they really are. They were not able to recognize Jesus, we're told, but this is a personal issue. This is not God hiding the truth. That is not God's character to hide himself. God does not hide the truth, but we, we can become so cynical, so hurt, so caught up in life that we fail to see what we should see. And Jesus joins them, and he's obviously watched them, and he says, what are you guys talking about that's making you so sad? Did you notice Jesus not only heard them, but he could tell that they were troubled, that they were sad. Did I tell you that Jesus is alive? And there are a lot of people that don't believe that. I read an article this week, and some of you have sent it to me as well. Do you know that there are less people likely in the church today than were in the church last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, that the church is slowly but surely becoming more and more insignificant in our culture And some are saying that it's actually, in this article, that it's going to be a good thing when this happens in our country. Church, that's not what God called us to do. He called us to believe. And so many times I believe that the church might become an irrelevant in this world because just like Jesus saw on these people who wanted to believe, but they were walking sad away from Jerusalem, Jesus said, I can tell by looking at you guys that there's a problem. I wonder what the people who see you think. Do they go, oh my goodness, that person was on fire for Jesus? Or do they even see Jesus at all? And they said, well, what are you, the only person in town that doesn't know what's going on? And they they share with him all of the things that have happened over the last three days as it relates to Jesus and his crucifixion. And then they also share about the women not finding the body of Jesus this morning and that the angel said they were alive and that they were, had risen from the dead. They had been told all of these things and yet they were walking away from Jerusalem. Verse 21. You can look at verse 21 right there if you still got your scripture open. It says, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he was the one. Hoping, that's great. But do you know that hope is not believing yet? Plus, if they really believed that Jesus was alive, they would have stayed in Jerusalem. Walking away, that's the exact response from someone who does not believe. Someone who thinks that something is just too good to be true. 
So in the same verses here, Jesus, whom they still do not recognize, begins to teach them. And it says that he expounds to them all the things in the Old Testament that talk about him and and their coming. The night comes to an end. He's going to go on. They say, no, please stay with us. And they do. And then the table, they're sitting around the table and you just can't keep Jesus out for long. Jesus breaks the bread. And in that moment, Scripture says they recognized him. They knew who he was. Verse 31 says their eyes were opened. And then they go back, and in verse 32, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Church, can I tell you that if your heart is burning, there's something going on. Now, it could be heartburn. And some in here that are of the medical variety say, you feel that too much too long, you need to get that looked at. But let me tell you, spiritually speaking, God knows how to move and burn and work in your life. And we walk around marveling and hoping and wishing and dreaming and waiting. And the only thing God has wants you to do is he wants you to believe. And he'll work in your life and he'll work in your life. But we feel this burning just like they did. And they're going, I can't explain it. But I don't know what to do with it. Because it's too good to be true. Jesus had begun to move in their lives, burn in their hearts. And they just kept stuffing those feelings and rejecting them and saying, that's not it. That can't be it because Jesus is dead. Until there was just too much to believe when Jesus broke the bread. They're going, it's you. Scripture says that in that moment when they recognized him, Jesus was gone. Let me read verses 33 to 45. Got to catch this. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them were gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for his spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while, he, while they still did not believe for joy, we'll talk about that in just a second, and marveled, he said, have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. I mentioned this. I stopped and paused on verse 41. It says, they still did not believe for joy. You know what that means? They were afraid. They were afraid to believe. It sounded so good. It met all their needs. It did everything, checked all the boxes in their life. It was what they wanted. It was what they needed. And it was true, but they were struggling because they're going, oh, that sounds so good to be true. And I've been hurt before. And because I've been hurt before, I tend not to jump as quick anymore. And there's a lot of people in our world today that are right there. 
that they know that Jesus is the answer, but they do not yet fully believe. And so they struggle and their heart's burning inside of them and they don't know what to do about it. Because they're afraid to believe. I met a man a few weeks ago. I had met him a few years ago. Actually, we did his father's funeral right here in this sanctuary. And at that time, a few years ago, this man was hurt and angry and frustrated. Five years later, he came in and I saw him and he was beaming. And you're going, Jeff, this is going to have a great spiritual ending, right? And I said, no, not really, but it will have a point. I said, how are you doing? He said, man, I'm doing great. And I was just blown away by how good he was doing. He said, you know what I've done? I said, what? He said, I started skydiving. He said, first time I jumped out, I was a little bit scared, and then I realized the thrill that it took by jumping out. And he said, not only did I jump with that person that day, I did it as soon as I can. I went and took the class. I've now done 15 solo jumps by myself, and every time we go, I just get higher and higher, and I fall further and further. And he said, it is an amazing thing. He said, you know the most exhilarating part of the whole thing? I'd be thinking, stepping back on the ground. (laughs) You know what he said? He said to me, he said, Jeff, the most amazing thing of that process is stepping out of that plane. He says, that's the hurdle. He says, if you will just step out of that plane, the rest of it is pure joy. Church, there's a lesson there. You see, the disciples and those that followed Jesus, those that heard and seen, they didn't believe. Because it says that they were afraid because of joy. It was too good to be true. And they just needed to jump. Church, this is not too good to be true. Jesus is alive. This is true. Period. Verse 46 to 49. Let's look at these together. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with the power from on high. Jesus had lived a perfect life, died a horrible death on the cross for you, and he rose again on the third day. And that is true. But it means nothing if you do not personally believe and respond. You see, through faith, that is a turning to Jesus. And through repentance, that is a turning from your sin and yourself. You can have eternal life. Jesus can fill that hole in your life that you have been seeking to put everything else in. I know it sounds too good to be true. But it is true. Ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Nobody can tell me that Jesus is not alive. He's alive. And I pray that I walk around this world and everybody sees me and they go, there's something different about him. He's not walking around sad. 
There's something about him. Now, I don't want to make this about me. Let me tell you what happens. When you jump out of that plane, you say, Jesus, I'm all in. When you jump out of that plane and you say, Jesus, whatever happens, I'm all in, but I want to be in with you. When you do that, Jesus will touch you. He will change you. He will redeem you. He will save you. And Easter will be like every other day. Jesus is alive. You see, at Easter, we get big crowds. And next week, I'm going to stand right here, and we're going to do this again. Not the same sermon, not even the same music. I just hope you'll be here. You see, if you believe in Jesus, then you'll want everything he wants for you. And Scripture teaches he wants us to assemble together and lift high his name. Church, we're witnesses, and we must share this what sounds too good to be true to everybody. I've been praying for this moment. I've been praying for you. I know many others who have as well. My prayer has been that God would, number one, bring people into our church, whether they're online or whether they're in the room, that do not yet know Jesus as Savior. They've never gotten past perplexed hopeful, and wishing. They've never taken the step out of the plane into belief. That they would accept Jesus today. That they would understand that they're a sinner, Romans 3, 23, we all are. That they would understand that that sin leads to death, Romans 6, 23. That they would know God's love for him, them, and their gift, his gift of Jesus, John 3, 16. And that they would choose to believe that Jesus is the only way to be made right with God. That is John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the only way. You believe in me or you believe in nothing. That they would believe in Jesus and ask him to come into their lives right now to forgive them and to save them. And it is not too good to be true. That is the truth, church. Secondly, or lastly, I've been praying that God would convict those of the church that say they are saved, but whose lives are not in accordance with God's plan, that they would be convicted and accept Jesus today. Move from remembering to believing. I've been praying that those who are saved would grow in their passion for God and allow him to have complete control of their lives. And based upon that prayer, that means I've been praying for every single person online and in this room because that's where we all land. We either don't know Jesus, we're struggling in accepting Jesus, or we need Jesus to really live out in our lives. That's where we all are. You know who you are, and you know what God is saying to you right now. Jesus is alive. It is good. And it is true. Amen.